Welcome back here to X's and Bros on the Michigan Sports and Network. That's Ben Glaze and Ryan Elke. I'm Anthony Bellino. Joining us on the horn right now, uh, he is a member of the National Football Foundation and Football Writers Association of America. Also spent a couple of decades covering the Detroit Tigers minor league system. His name is John Wagner. Find him on Twitter at John Wagner Media. Johan, my good man, how are you this morning? Anthony, I am a little slice of heaven. How are you and your listeners this morning? Uh, we're doing okay. You know, we're we're rallying after the NFC Championship game uh, did not go the uh, the Detroit way, and then you know we've had uh, the you know Ben Johnson decides he wants to come back, he wants to stay in Detroit. Job's not done, uh, that type of deal. So I, I, most people, I think, right now for the time being, are fe- are feeling pretty good about life and about things uh, for the uh, for the most part. I would I I would think I hope. Yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, that was interesting. You know what? Do you mind if I ask you a question before we talk about something else? Yeah. I, I appreciate it because I'm sure you got way more feedback than I got, and I got plenty of feedback about Dan Campbell's fourth down gamble in that contest, the two in the second half, both of which, of course, backfired, both of which, of course, really led to his team snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. So, um, and I mean, what, how did your listeners, how did people react to people criticizing the decision? Uh, it's probably about 50, 50, uh, 50% of the people hated the decisions, uh, and then 50% of the people understood, you know, why the decisions uh, were made, and that's who uh, Dan Campbell is. But I think it's it's probably it's probably split about 50-50. Some people are still kind of upset about it, but I've tried to tuck most people off the cliff because you know basically what you're looking at is you're looking at judging a decision uh, based on its result, which you know isn't necessarily. Uh, the greatest idea, whether applied in sports or applied uh, in life. Sometimes you got to make a choice and it just kind of, you know, it is what it is. Your result might be very good and the decision looks brilliant. Other times you make a good choice and sometimes things just don't work out and that's okay too. Uh, but, you know, it's tough to, it's tough to gauge a decision when we already know the result. Sure. And, and, you know, it was funny because my initial reaction was to a tweet and I, I'm sure you and your listeners will be shocked, shocked to know I got involved in not fisticuffs, but verbal fisticuffs on Twitter regarding those decisions. And what got lost in all of the uh, back and forth after that was that my original reaction was to a tweet that said that that fourth down decision will come will be one that Lion fans will never forget. And I'm like, dude, that I disagree with violently because Lions fans know that's what you're getting with Dan Campbell. They know that. They've seen how aggressive he's been. And not just this year. And not just this year. That's how this guy rolls. And you hate those decisions all you want. And that, and I, I got to be honest, and I, I've even written this: the second time that they went for it on fourth down, could have kicked a field goal to tie the game. Didn't like that one at all, at all. I mean, I would have gone against the book there, and I know that's how he rolls. But that's and that's my point. We know how this dude rolls. 
We know what this guy's going to do. Lions fans, if they are smart, if they are watching, if they are aware, they know that's part of the deal. I, I mean, heck, there are going to be three or four or five plays that I'll remember from that game way more, way more than I will for those decisions to go for it on fourth down, including on the first fourth down play when the receiver drops a pass, he's got to catch. It's, it's, yeah. That first ball had to be caught. Yeah. It and, was there. The play was made and should have been made by him and wasn't. And, and the second fourth down really felt like he was chasing the points there. You know, like yeah, he like he, he was he was trying. He's like, okay, we missed out on the three. We could tie here. We could take a lead by uh, three, potentially four. You know, doing all the math in your head. I get it. Yeah. I don't really. People are like, oh, the analytics. I don't think analytics play a role in this at all. And to be honest with you, I'm a yeah. I'm a take the points guy. Like I I believe in you. You have a kicker on your team. He you should be able to make that kick. But I understand why. Dan Campbell went for it on fourth and two. But, you know, for me personally, yeah, I'm putting a field goal on the board, especially in the playoffs. Points and possessions are so few and far in between, uh, especially when the game gets tighter like that, that, you know, I think the, if you could put the if you could put the points on the board with the field goal, you kick off, the kickoff's probably going to be a touchback more often than not. You're going to make them yep. drive the length of the field or at least 80 yards. They're going to have to eat some clock. Like, I just think long long term it works out better for you, but I'm not mad at him for going for it because if Josh Reynolds catches that pass, we're probably talking about what we're going to do with ourselves for the next two weeks waiting for the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was the other part that kind of bothered me. The Reynolds has to catch that ball. But then after that, oh, yeah, they – the 49ers went right down and scored. Well, yeah, they did because of the ball that should have been intercepted bouncing off a guy's helmet into the to the receiver's hands. I mean, that's that's absurd. That's absurd. And I wonder and about the flag. That is your reason to say, man, I don't like that decision because they went right down the field and scored. No, they didn't. They got a lucky bounce. Gee, my knee. And, and, and on a play that had to be made by a DB. But you know what? I'm sorry. That, you're saving me a little bit of time with my therapist. We Now he and I don't have to talk about that. We could talk about other things. I but thought I, I, thought I was if, your if therapist. If you don't mind, can I just kind of – I want to put a closure on this. My, my original response was, is this something that Lions fans are going to carry for the rest of their lives from that game no, I'm to me, it's going to be the ball that should have been intercepted bouncing off the defensive back's helmet into the hands of the other team's receiver. Well, and, the and there's a flag on that play like, that they ended up picking up, and I really wonder, like, what would have happened? Like, had Kendall Vildor caught that ball off his face, were they going to call defensive pass interference because Vildor kind of slows up and is, you know, trying to make a play on the ball? And Ayuk runs into him. You know, were they were they yeah. really throw a flag for pass interference there? Is that what that was about? Like, I, so even if he doesn't yeah, catch the ball, it might be a spot foul. They might be looking at first and goal. But regardless, I mean, there's there's plenty of things. It's a game of inches, right? You know, first girl stepping yeah, out of sure. bounds when he had a chance. Uh, you know, to get into the end zone, the tight end. Who? Let's face it, we're short on tight ends. You know, it is what it is. Brock Wright broke his forearm. James Mitchell broke his hand. We picked up Zach Ertz. Like he wasn't ready to go. Okay, so Anthony Fersker is the guy. It's like, well, I, this guy's got to know. It's like, dude, it's just 
who knows last time that guy's caught a pass in real gameplay. Like, well, everybody just relax a little bit. There's plenty of other things uh, that take place. The fumble, you know, like, okay, they score, you oh, get yeah. the ball right back, and you cough it up at the 25-yard line. Like, that's a trope. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. And see that, to put to try and close it for us, that was the issue I had. If Lions fans are remembering the fourth down call, I think you've missed the game. Uh, I'm remembering the the playoff, the, the 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 ball should be intercepted, the fumble that gives them another quick score. I mean, a quick quick score. It was the first play on that drive, was it not? The fumble. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, that that's a bang score, bang score. That's that's how you lose a 17 point lead. But it's no longer football season, is it? It's now baseball. Well, the Super Bowl hasn't happened yet. So we got we got some time. We got some time. I know people are getting hyped up about truck day and all that. But we do have some big baseball news here uh, that I wanted to talk to you about. And that's the fact that the Tigers announced a six-year contract extension with infield prospect Colt Keith. Now, this deal guarantees that Colt is going to make $28.6425 million and could max out at $82 million over nine years if three club options covering 2030, 31, and 32 are all escalated and exercised. Munger English Sports Management is who the uh, representation is here for Keith. So he'll get a $2 million signing bonus and earn $2.5 million for the 24 season, three and a half in 25, $4 million per season in 26 and 27, and $5 million per season in 28 and 29. Each club option includes a salary escalator, but the values currently break down as follows. In 2030, the club option is valued at $10 million with a $2.5 million buyout. In 2031, it's a $13 million option with a $1 million buyout. And in 2032, a $15 million option and a $2 million buyout. That is a ton of numbers and a lot of information in a very short amount of time. Getting down to this, a fifth-round selection in the 2020 draft Keith is 22 years old. He's climbing the minor leagues rapidly. Was this shocking to you to see such a long-term, uh, not only in years, but also financial commitment to Colt Keith, who we haven't seen play a single uh, minute of Major League Baseball? Well, first of all, just promise me there's not going to be a quiz on those numbers afterwards, right? It's a no lot. Quiz? It's a lot. Okay, no quiz. Great. great. Thank you. Okay. Well, to answer your question as turncoatedly and as double-handedly as I can, yes and no. I, I, I mean, this was not a guy uh, – well, let me back up for a second. There's a little bit of history behind these contracts to young players. And the idea is to get them to commit to your team beyond – those six years of free agency because by the time some of these elite players have been in your system for six years they have they are reaching max value at a very young age you know 26 27 28 and they're going to get massive massive salaries that teams are wanting to avoid you know the the example here the poster child for this is bryce harper Okay, followed closely by Manny Machado. Actually, they're probably the the co-poster children for this. They came up at a very young age. Very quickly, we realized that they were uber-talent. And by the time they're 26, 27, 28, they're going to get contract offers 
in the $25, $30 million a year stratosphere. And teams like Baltimore and Washington weren't willing to pay them. So they went and signed with the teams and the limited number of teams that do have that kind of money. So that's kind of the backstory. That's what you're trying to avoid is to think, see if there's a way we can keep a Colt Keith in Detroit beyond those six years that you're guaranteed of his career. And because you want to avoid that huge salary at the back end. This works sometimes. This doesn't work sometimes. So if you go through the history, there are hits and misses. And you've got to remember, there are some guys who've signed who have, were never in the majors, and there were some guys who signed at a very, very young age early in their major league career. The, the guy that stands out in my mind in that latter category is Acuna in Atlanta. That seems to be working out pretty well for both him and the Braves. He might not make the gazillion dollars a year that he's worth, but he's going to make more than enough money to be comfortable. So that works. But let me kind of rip through a couple of names of guys who have big contracts like this. In fact, there are only three players, to my knowledge, that have signed a contract with a major league team for multiple years and huge money that have received or will receive more money than Colt Keith. Let me see if you've heard a couple of these names before. The one that ju- the number three on this list is Eloy Jimenez, who signed with the White Sox in 2019, six years, 43 million. How's that working out for the White Sox? Not terrible. Not terrible at all. Not terrible. I mean, it, it, he's been fighting some injuries. But, you know, he had a big year in 2020. He's young. He's clearly talented. He's, even if they couldn't sign him for a – he may not get $30 million a year, but he's going to get paid if he becomes a free agent. Number two on this list is another White Sox player, Luis Roberts. How did that work out for both he and the White Sox? Well, I mean, you're talking about a guy who was a silver slugger, a gold glover, an all-star, had a five war last year, hit the, you know, his his batting average was 264, hit 38 home runs like that. I don't hate that either. No, that's a great deal. And while he's getting, he got a lot of money when he signed. If my numbers in front of me are correct, he got 50 million over six years, signed before 2020. So there's still a couple of years on that contract. Yes. But my point is, Six years, $50 million, and again, I'm not figuring out escalators and stuff like that. He's getting less than $10 million a year, but and it's worked out for him. Since it's only six years, he's still got some career in front of him. Those are the kinds of deals that you're, you're hoping for. Now, it doesn't always work out that way. The guy I'll never forget was the guy who signed back in the day by the Astros. His name was John Singleton. He was a first baseman. They gave him $10 million for five years. And remember, this is now a decade ago. All right? The problem was he never figured it out in the majors. He, he just 
didn't figure it out. Never did. And he, he also had some off the field issues, but that's neither here nor there because his bat never became what it should be. So let's, what does this mean for the Tigers and for Colt Keith? I think the, the points are pretty obvious. One is the Tigers are locking in to Colt Keith. As you mentioned, six years for sure. There are three club options. Yep. So that's nine years if he figures it out. You know, obviously, if there are struggles or injuries or whatnot, you bail on it after six. But, you know, nine years, you're committing to the guy. And when I say committing, that means he's going to start this year. Okay? You're not paying this guy this money to not have him be your major league starting second baseman. Yeah. Second base, are you sure? He's been going back and forth between second and third. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you have uh, if you have second base with him, then you have what Veerlean, Andy Abanez, Maton, McKinstry, everybody staring at third base when when spring training opens up. Is there a better option there that they might want to go with at second base? And that's something that they can kind of debate and kick around. By the way, just real quick, I want to throw this out there too. If people are like, "Oh my God, I can't believe they did this," or maybe they're really excited, Jackson Churio signed an eighty-two million dollar deal. It was a record-setting deal with the Brewers earlier. This this winter that's why you're like who 82 million for the outfielder slash second baseman um, you know right and center that's 82 million this uh this offseason so pretty pretty penny yeah. for him as well his name is john wagner you yeah. can find him on twitter at john wagner media johan my good man is always partner appreciate the time my friend thank you yeah Dave, we're you may not have heard of jackson Torrio right now i'm telling you in a couple of years everyone will know who Jackson Torrio of the Brewers is. I hope you and your listeners have a great week.